For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast Podcast with your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians back once again with a brand new month-long concept. We are doing divisional fantasy previews. We are going to go through all eight of the divisions over the course of the next, what did we say this ended up being, Jamie? Four weeks, five weeks that we're going to do this for? Yes, four weeks. Eight divided by two, Chris. It's not not that hard. You should be able to to get this one. It is early in the morning when we are recording this. My math skills are not up to par. But yes, over the next four weeks, we're going to be going through uh, all of the divisions and looking at them from a fantasy lens with these five topics that are going to be the main crux of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the player with the biggest bus potential, the player that is the biggest sleeper, the one burning fantasy question that is on everybody's minds here on the show about that team, and then the must-have and must-avoid for each team from an ADP perspective. And I'll just say this. This was difficult for a couple of these teams, putting this big list together. So I'm fascinated to see where this conversation ultimately goes. Uh, let's jump right into it. Can we start with my New York Jets? Because I feel like that's where I'm going to talk the most. And we, if we just get them out of the way, then we can get through the rest of the, the teams. bottom up. Okay. A I little bit with them too. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. So um, I think we'll start here. We'll start with the one burning question. And then I think we can, we can let it filter down from there. And I'll throw mine out there and, and see if you guys are similar in this regard. I think this this boils down to what production they get from Zach Wilson, because I think that ultimately impacts the wide receivers. I think it impacts the ability of Michael Carter to be productive in year one. So how good is Zach Wilson in year one? Not just from Zach Wilson's fantasy perspective, but I think they have Corey Davis. Uh, they, they have Elijah Moore. Jamison Crowder's still there. Michael Carter's going to catch passes out of the backfield. So how good can Zach Wilson be? Because I think that makes the rest of those guys fantasy relevant, because if he's not good, I don't know how fantasy relevant those guys are. It has to be the question, right, James? Yeah, I mean, it is. There's, and there's no way anybody of... had a different question than that. 
Well, and that's kind of where mine kind of roamed into, too. I'll just throw mine out there since it kind of weaves in here, which was, will the rookies dominate or are we expecting too much? Because the narrative around the Jets right now in the fantasy world is really it's three-pronged. Uh, it's Zach Wilson, but he's kind of in the background for fantasy purposes. He's in the foreground for real life football. But Michael Carter and Elijah Moore, like a lot of hype around them in fantasy circles right now, particularly in the expert section. I think public ADP has not caught up yet on either player to the level that we've seen talked about with like the fantasy professionals. But I wonder, again, once people really start getting into draft season here over the next six weeks, I want to see where those go there. But the question is, are we expecting too much on a team that's still not going to be very good, that's relying on a, there's a new new head coach, new staff, new quarterback, all, all these new rookies coming in? Are we expecting too much? Yeah. New, so there's a lot of things happening on this Jets team, a lot of things to be excited about for the future. But for fantasy, there's the thought in the back of my mind of there's tremendous opportunity for these rookies to make a major impact, which a lot of times that's the biggest thing holding some of these players back is just opportunity for fantasy purposes in year one. But there's also a chance that they might not be ready for prime time right away. Maybe this, maybe they'll be better, better in the second half. So that's where my question comes in. And particularly when it comes to Elijah Moore, and Michael Carter, there's no way it can't be the rookies, right? But you got to throw the quarterback in there because what makes everything go around, what makes the NFL tick, quarterback play, that's where the question lies. And then I go into another rookie, and that's another rookie play caller. Yes, he's in a long line of lineage of these superstar young coordinators, but this is a brand new offense for the rest of those guys to learn. And you're counting on a lot of young guys. You're also counting on some unproven guys we're going to talk about here in just a second when we get to my bust. All right, well, I'll use that as the segue here. We can talk about it. The players with the biggest bust potential on the New York Jets. Jake, it feels like it's going to be a rookie. Which rookie are you picking? I'm going Corey Davis. That's mine, un- too. Really? That's mine, too. See, I, I have Corey Davis as an answer for something later on. Oh, no. that's a good call. So here's, my, here's my deal with Corey Davis. I love the potential of the player, but I'm going with the four years of bust crap as a first-round pick who's one of the prettiest dudes ever to get off the bus with one really good year last year with Ryan Tannehill with, oh, by the way, a superstar on the other side, one of the best running backs in the game, and very proven play caller in Arthur Smith running an offense that he fit well in and had a big year. He now takes the money and leaves. He's got a rookie quarterback, a rookie play caller, some other guys to compete with. I don't know how much alpha Corey Davis has. I think he, to me, is one of the biggest bust potentials in this offense. So, Jamie, can can I just say something real quick? Yes. The thing that I found really tough about this question for the New York Jets is when you look at where guys are going and where guys are ranked, comparing them to your rankings with some other people's rankings that I was looking into, there isn't really a guy that I think is getting overdrafted to the point where I would label them as a full-fledged bust, right, from the point of, man, they're just going to go way too high and they're not going to live up to that because Corey Davis is the 50th-ranked wide receiver according to Fantasy Pros. I forget where you have him on your list, Jamie, but you're looking at a guy that isn't going as a top-two wide receiver, so it's really tough to label him a bust. I get it. I don't. Well, I, agree, I agree with the sentiment. Look, I will so, preface mine by saying I didn't look at any ADPs or where no, no, and that's going. And I kind of have it in my head. I know about where they're going to go. Because if I'm it's not Corey Davis. based on how it's probably going to relate to fantasy. But the guy I can see being left out of the mix or having a bad year. And I, Chris, I think it's important to uh, define what we're talking about here. I'm not predicting Corey Davis to be a bust. He is my wide receiver 33 in my ranking. So clearly above ADP. But what we are talking about here is bust potential. Sure. 
like who has the greatest chance to be where they're going and where I have them ranked to just have a season far below expectations. Mm -hmm. Like Jamison Crowder doesn't have bust potential. He's being drafted like wide receiver 90 or whatever. Like, uh, you know, Elijah Moore is his ADP isn't high enough yet to have bust potential. Nobody's drafting. You know, we'll talk about Denzel Mims a little bit later, but he's going at outside the top 70 receivers. People haven't taught that they haven't pushed Michael Carter's ADP up yet. And even into the top 35 can't have like, so, you know, Zach Wilson's going outside the top 23 quarterbacks or whatever it is. So like, it's tough to find a true bust potential player. However, if I have to have one player that I have to look at for this Jets team and say, who has the best chance to go below where people expect him to finish? It still is Corey Davis only because we only have one year to show mm-hmm. for it. And now he's taking, at least in year one, a downgraded quarterback, a downgrade in play calling, a downgrade in weapons around him. There's always a chance that, again, that Zach Wilson falls in love with another pass catching option or options on the team. So it, th- there's not a great candidate for this Jets team. By the way, this is a brutal division for some for our like we're gonna have so much better divisions for yes. these five questions that we talk Dude, about. That's a this was a tough. Point. That's this a, is a tough point. division to talk about because this division still kind of blows. It, it does for <laughs> yeah, fantasy it, purposes. For fantasy too, like, purposes, it's really, yes, it's not very good. Yeah, it's really in a weird spot. But if there's one player that I have to say that again, I have him ranked 17 spots. I'm not exactly a Corey Davis hater. I'm just saying there's a chance that I could foresee a scenario that isn't being considered here, which is really just all those downgrades we just discussed. Plus, we only have one year of true greatness, greatness to, to talk about with Corey. Yeah, Davis. that's definitely air quotes. He was good so, you know, about greatness. So the name that I settled on, Jamie, is the guy that you have ranked as your 27th best running back, Michael Carter. Because I can see a scenario where, because they have Tevin Coleman, because that running back room does have multiple guys in it, we know how San Francisco liked to run the ball. They liked having different guys. They mixed guys in and out. I can see a scenario where Michael Carter doesn't sniff being a, a almost RB2, right? And he's not even, he's barely even a flex play on a weekly basis, right? And so I get what you guys are saying about Corey Davis. I I, I agree, Like, but I tried to, I put Corey Davis somewhere else in this conversation. So I wanted to at least mix it up. And Michael Carter was the only other name that based on the criteria that Jamie laid out, and it was the criteria that I was using. Like I can't put Jamison Crowder in this spot, right? Like I just can't, like, I just don't think he's going to get drafted to a point where like I I would be like, he's not going to fall below expectations of being wide receiver 90. Like when you're drafting guys that low, it is what it is. So I ended up with Michael Carter, but I I like what you guys had there uh, with Corey Davis sleeper. Well, mine is Michael Carter, so we'll keep we keep talking oh, about this. No. Because okay, here's, okay. The, here's the difference. There is a disconnect, at least at the moment, between those that talk about fantasy sports for a living and those that play fantasy sports in ADP value. Like, I know Michael Carter has been a hot name in the fantasy community. He's a hot name on fantasy Twitter. As you pointed out, Chris, he, he's ranked inside my top 30 running backs already for the season. But he's barely going inside the top 40 running backs right now in ADP across the board. I think he's in line for a significant role, particularly for the reason you discussed that that Lafleur Shanahan one Shanahan two offenses uh, haven't been afraid to use multiple backs, and I think they, they drafted Michael Carter with a purpose. He's got a clear role. Tevin Coleman has not been a player that's been able to recent years, although he'll have a role as well. You know, Ty Johnson's a name they seem to like. There's interesting. Well, Michael P. Ryan cannot get on the field with any starters to save his life, so Michael Carter is going to have a role. He's a strong pass catcher. You know, he might be eased into a more significant role, but at least pass catching running backs start to find a clear path to playing time, particularly on teams that are going to be losing a lot late in games. 
So for me, at his current value, which again, I fully expect that to be closer to top 30 by the time we get a month from now when we start to see more drafts happening. But as of right now, at this RB37 ADP, which is what it is on Fantasy Pros right now, uh, I'd be more than happy to take a chance on Michael Carter. I like that one. I went Denzel Mims. Kind of got to be a sleeper, but it's another big, pretty getting off the bus, dude. I think him and Zach Wilson could have more chemistry than him and Corey Davis. Only for the fact that he's younger and he played in more of that style of offense that Zach Wilson played in in college. He's not really that kind of Devontae Adams, catch it at the line, shifty back shoulder kind of guy. He's got to develop that, but he is a big, pretty dude with a monster catch radius, as is Corey Davis. I think it's going to be one or the other. I just think where he's getting drafted, he's got a better more potential to be a sleeper and kind of come out of nowhere. First round pick, kind of got forgotten, went through all the turmoil last year, had some injuries. I think year two for a lot of these guys with that, that first year out of, out of college is so long. He's just – there's go back to how we all felt about Corey Davis in college. Yeah. And that first year and that second year and that third year and that fourth year and we finally saw it in five. I think that that's how you kind of have to feel about Denzel Mims. Big, pretty, got it all. I just think he might have a little more chemistry with the young quarterback than Corey Davis does. I uh, I picked a wide receiver for this position. I picked Elijah Moore. And the reason why is if there's if it's not going to be Corey Davis that has that immediate chemistry with Zach Wilson, it might be the rookie that Zach Wilson has been throwing to a lot in these OTAs, and that's Elijah Moore. Because a lot of – and again, I, I, Jamie, I can see Jamie piercing through the screen at me as I'm about to say this. I don't take everything a beat reporter tweets at you know practice as gospel, but there's been a lot of talk of, Hey, Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore, they seem to have something going on here in the early going. So if it's not going to be Corey Davis, to me, it feels like it could very easily be Elijah Moore that steps up into that role and becomes Zach Wilson's favorite target. And Jamie, you have, him, you have him as wide receiver 66. So I, I think from a sleeper perspective, he's outside of the top three wide receivers. Certainly an opportunity for him to potentially rise above that. I've got team. him written down, but he's in a different category, Chris. Oh, no, no. I don't hate that. Okay. Can we talk about how the ADPs for this team are very difficult? Because no one's getting overdrafted on this team. No. Nobody's getting overdrafted on the Jets. No. So this was tough. No, I don't have a bust. I, like my a, must, not a bust. I must avoid. My must ADP. have was Corey Davis at wide receiver 50? Like, Yeah. Like, I put him as my must avoid just because you're going to have to take yeah. him with a decent mid-round pick. Like he might be the answer to both of these questions. Yeah, like there's just there there isn't like even like Elijah Moore right now is going at 56. We're starting Jameson Crowder at 59. Uh, I mean, like a lot of these players, like nobody's really get as you said, Chris. Nobody's really getting overdrafted on this team. You might like certain guys over the other, but there's no must avoid player here. Like Denzel Mims is wide receiver 74. Like Zach Wilson's quarterback 28. Yeah, like, like uh, this is again there is value. We talk about this every year. There's value to be had on bad teams. Because mm -hmm. people don't want to be associated with them. They forget about them. They're not talked about a lot on, you know, whatever shows people are watching. So these guys can kind of get lost. I tell you what, Jamie, is, if it works, it could remind yeah. me of last year's Bengals before Burrow got hurt. Yeah. If it works, they got some weapons that the young quarterback can play at that level. There's a ton of value there. I mean, you could see this team being kind of next year's Bengals where you got a bunch of guys ranked high, right? Yeah, I, I went with my must-have would have been Jamison Crowder. I don't think he's on the team by the time the first game rolls around. I still think he's getting traded in training camp. So I went with Elijah Moore as my must-have. I think there's going to be a young quarterback's best friend is a good slot receiver that's shifty. Mm -hmm. They can also do some deep damage, and that's Elijah Moore. 
the Buffalo Bills, the next team up. Is that okay with everybody? If we do them next? Sure. Well, a little easier. At least they got some players. So bus potential. I think there's going to be two names that come up here. And I could be convinced of either of the two names. Jamie, did you go with the quarterback or the wide receiver? <sighs> I didn't go with either because I don't think really? either will bust. You didn't? What? Biggest yeah, I bus potential wide receiver, is not Stephon Diggs? Wide receiver. No, it's not Stephon No, Diggs. it's not. Because what would you consider a bust? Like if he goes back to being wide receiver 12, is that a bust? Maybe. Yeah, he's not having last year's year, right? We've all said but, that. Okay, but he's wide receiver two in some places. I, I know, but I, I don't see I don't see a specific – like here's the thing. I don't see – like with Corey Davis, we talked about specific reasons why we thought he was going to bust. I, I don't have a logical reason why I would think Stephon Diggs is going to bust. Injury. You know what I mean? Like, I, and same thing with Josh Allen. Like I know we all – I know – he has been – Look, last year he took the biggest jump we have seen, mm-hmm. but it's been a steady progression forward for Josh Allen. It's not like he was, he just took one leap and everyone went, oh, he's a completely different player. Like he has been progressing. He took a huge step last year and pushed himself into that conversation. But I don't have a reasonable like if you want to look at it from the standpoint of they're going so high, so they have bust potential. But then you can say that about any top receiver. Like Devontae Adams is the biggest bust potential in the NFL because we don't know what his quarterback is. Like I don't, you know, okay, Christian McCaffrey is the biggest bust potential because he could get hurt again. Like I don't, but I don't think that's helpful because I don't think yeah. there's any reason to believe that Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs are going to bust out this year. No, nope, um, me either. I I had Gabriel Davis. Uh, as as my Ooh, biggest bust like potential because he's somebody that's gotten some buzz recently. It's going as a wide receiver five right now. He's somebody that I did a little bit more research in after I saw some people talking about him. And Buffalo, he was really inefficient late last season and in the postseason. Uh, his target, his catch percentage dropped significantly. You bring they bring in Emmanuel Sanders this offseason. It's kind of an indicator that they don't think Gabriel Davis is ready to be that next guy or take that John Brown role. Uh, so to me, he's one of those guys I think people are going to fall in love with. They're going to see the touchdowns. They're going to see the highlight plays from last year. And I think they're going to maybe ignore the veteran that got brought in. So I think right now Gabriel Davis is the best chance to maybe he could finish outside of even the top 100 wide receivers if things go poorly. So he's going to be my pick there, Chris, even though you're mad at it. I went Cole Beasley. I love the dude. I see his role being very similar but he finally got the hype that his great career has been deserving of a long time. I think he's going to get overdrafted. I think that the one guy that in this offense, the people are going to go, Ooh, Diggs is going to get his, but I'm going to go with the other guy and get Beasley where I do think Gabriel Davis has bus potential. I think he will be better, but I think the addition of Emmanuel Sanders is being overlooked by a lot of people in this offense. I don't see them running the ball more. That's I'm going to go to my burning question while we're talking about it. Now, will they run the ball more? The Bills are not a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion, until they can stop the run and run the ball better, more effectively and more efficiently than they did last year, which was just a quarterback position. Will they run it more if they don't? And this offense looks the same way. Emmanuel Sanders has a monster role because they need another veteran presence that can run every route in the route tree. By the way, look who he played with the last couple of years. Emmanuel Sanders now is playing with an elite arm quarterback they can run around and make some stuff happen. He can go back to his early days of playing with Ben Roethlisberger, but he's now a much more veteran player than he was in those early days in Pittsburgh. I think he has a monster potential on this team. I pick Zach Moss for this spot. Okay. Because, Jake, like to your that. point, listen. I wrote him down. 
You could very easily make this answer Devin Singletary, right? You could pick either one of the running backs because I think they're close. But I'm going to pick one of the running backs because, Jake, to your point, they're going to have to run the ball more, and one of these guys is going to have to emerge as an option. So I pick Zach Moss, but if you if somebody else said, no, it's Devin Singletary, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. But I just landed on one of the two running backs here for this spot. Jamie, what was your burning question for the Buffalo Bills? Well, and it's basically what you were alluding to at the, at the open, which is can Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs do it again? Like that, that's, that's the, that's the question around the bills. Like to me, that's the biggest one I look at and say, are the things we saw from them last year real? Doesn't mean they're going to replicate the exact same season, but are, are, are the steps forward we saw take, particularly for Josh Allen's case, are they real? I think that's the biggest question given where both those guys are going right now is, you know, Josh Allen's going as the QB two in a lot of places. Stephon Diggs is going as wide receiver two or wide receiver three. Those are elite talents right now. Diggs is going early in the second round. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, I'm seeing in third or fourth round, like, can they do it again? I think they can. A year I, is a I, long time, Jay. They proved a ton yeah. to me, man. I, I think they can. Like, again, there's a difference between being able to replicate your stats exactly and then still showing that same potential. Yeah. Schedules are different. Injuries happen. Things change. But there's nothing that seemed phony about what we saw last year. There's nothing that seemed lucky. Nothing that seemed – and again – all the weapons are back. Like you, all the difference you, you're trading John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders. Dayball's back. The, the coaching staff is intact. Like there's, you're in a really solid situation here. There isn't a lot of change around you, which is again that steady presence for a younger quarterback is always helpful. I, I don't see any reason why that these guys w- would not be able to at least get close to what they were able to do last year in fantasy. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, they beat single coverage. They beat double coverage. They beat mm-hmm. bracket coverage. They beat man. They beat zone. It didn't really matter how you defended them. Them, Those two got theirs. Now you've added weapons to that. I go back to what Chris said about Zach Moss. I love that one. I put him on my must-avoid list because I don't think this offense looks any different. If anything, I think they throw it just as much with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, which makes Singletary the guy in the backfield who could be kind of a sleeper in this situation. I put Emmanuel Sanders as my sleeper on this team. Like, I, I just think – the addition of that kind of guy that at his age can still run and run fast with those other guys. I, I don't know how you defend them. Cause you're still going to try to bracket cover. You got to double cover digs, which you now have Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley being singled up or playing zone against linebackers and safeties with the ability of the quarterback to move outside the pocket. That is dangerous with a guy like Singletary in the backfield that can move around. I think when they look at it, at the end of the day, they're going to throw it a ton. And I think they've kind of boxed themselves into that for better or worse because yeah. their run game has been so poor. You start to look at, are we making a mistake whenever we take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands at this point with all of the weapons you have on offense, which also, again, still includes Gabriel Davis as your wide receiver four. Like with all those weapons, like are you are you losing turn around and hand it off just given that you don't have an established running game and running backs? But uh, I like your point, Jake, and, and to jump ahead, Chris, both my potential sleeper and must-have at ADP is, is Emmanuel Sanders right now, going at wide receiver 62. Uh, I just – he produces wherever he's been. He's now playing with a much better quarterback, as Jake pointed out. I think he could step into at least the workload-wise, that John Brown role that has been highly successful in that offense. It's a high-volume high passing offense that can boost three receivers into top 50, top 60 territory. I think he's being slept on right now. Uh, Jake, your ADP must have and must avoid. I think you mentioned that your must avoid was Zach Moss. Yeah, I went. I went with Stephon Diggs on my must have. To be honest, I, I he's high, but if I get him in the second round, 
he's one of those guys I'm going to be looking at just off of everything we just talked about. I don't see even if I don't think he touches last year's numbers. If he's 85% of last year's numbers, it's a phenomenal season. But we're talking about must-haves. I need a superstar. And when we're talking about this division, there's none on any other team. I'm going with the best player in there. I almost put Josh Allen as my other must-have. Like, if I'm going to go must-have, I need production from that that pick. I, I put Stephon Diggs down. Jamie, I mean, I took Diggs, what, with the 11th pick in our mock draft that yeah. we did last week. So just at the tail end of the first round, beginning of the second round, and I felt extremely comfortable taking him there. I took him as the second receiver off the board, which is basically where he's going uh, in ADP. Any different aims for you in those two spots, Jamie? No, there's not. I don't really even have a must avoid. Um, I, I think the ADPs on this team are, are pretty reasonable mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, because even you're talking about the running backs, they're both ranked in the 40s. Yeah, 39 like and 40 on fantasy I mean, pros, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I they're both not going to probably finish there. One, I, I if I had to pick one, I'll still pick Singletary. But I also don't think you're taking Zach Moss at what is he RB? Let me find him here. He's RB. This is this is makes for I great think PPR. Singletary has so much upside in this offense. Yeah, because and, and for big Moss, play, big play potential. Yeah, for Moss, you're hoping for touchdowns. You're going like RB forty, like yeah. whatever. Like you know what I mean? Like you're you're not going to lose too much return on your value for that. Right, and and that's why, like, for both of the first two teams we've talked about, like, I've I've struggled to come up with names for the the must avoid because I don't think anybody's in a spot where it's like, man, there's a glaring. We're avoiding hole. them already, <laughs> right? They, yeah, yeah, the the avoidance is caked into the number already, right? So that's. Uh, By that, the way, this division's pretty good, but we're t- there's only one quarterback in this entire division, and he's yeah. really damn good. Like yes. you know, the Bills. I don't care about the rest of the team at this point. The NFL, the, what makes the world go around the quarterback position? Like, I'm sitting there, we're doing this. This is a great exercise. Because I'm like, every other question on every other team is quarterback play, other than this dude that's been ascending on a freaking rocket ship for the yeah. last three years. It's really interesting. Speaking of burning questions about quarterback play, let's get to the New England Patriots, because that is my burning question. Who is playing quarterback and what? Production am I getting out of the quarterback position? That's where that conversation has to start, right, guys? Like, I Absolutely. It's it's what the whole offense this year is going to be predicated on, and that's kind of the the way I went with as well. Where I had you know how will this offense differ in twenty twenty one, because this is going to be significantly different overall. Like this Patriots offense that operated in twenty twenty was one of the strangest offenses I've ever seen. Um, it, it was they they could not throw at all. Uh, that was a team that felt like if they got behind by ten point ten was by seven points it was over. Um, what Cam Newton are we getting if he comes back and starts this year? How long is he starting before it's handed over to Mac Jones? Once it's handed over to Mac Jones, how will this offense change up? Because if they operate with the offense they had last year, nobody's going to be fantasy relevant, as was the case last year. Uh, so to me, that's the biggest thing because outside of that, pretty much after that huge was it Sunday Night Football against Seattle mm-hmm. uh, game, outside of that, it literally, I, I feel like they probably showed – it's like they just did cut-ups of their offense and then showed them in like Guantanamo Bay. Like that's what they were starting to use at that point. Like it was Goodness brutal gracious. to watch. It was torture to watch that offense play. It was. And that leads me right into this question to Jake. Jake, of all of the players on this offense, which did you pick as your bust potential player? Because I think you could put like six names on this list. You could. I want Nelson Aguilar. Easy. I mean, if we have question, my biggest question marks the quarterback position and it's going to be Cam. And I think it's going to be Cam for too long. Then the dude they're way overpaying at $13 million a year, Nelson Aguilar, has got to be the biggest bust potential because he's the biggest name 
of the outside guys that's going to go that high. Now the, the tight ends are easy to put on there, but that's an easier throw. If I know my friend, outside the numbers, if I know my friend, Jamie Eister and I have the same name written down here, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry has to be the name here. Correct. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the name I settled on because why do you think I went outside Hunter Henry? I know my boys <laughs> because because I think Johnu Smith, Johnu Smith's going to be the guy right? he's going to yeah. get a good majority of that workload. And I think Hunter Henry's going to be the guy left out in terms of trying to find a role for him and trying to find catches for him. Maybe other than I think maybe he's the possession guy and they're trying to hit some bigger stuff with Johnu Smith because he's a little bit more athletic. And they take the first down, think Jason Witten playing tight end, even though Hunter Henry's more, much more athletic and faster than that. That's the only argument I can come up with. But nobody right now that's going to be the starting quarterback, I like Mac Jones, but I don't think he's playing anytime soon. Cam Newton can't throw outside the numbers. No. Cannot happen. Like, it's, he can't do it. He's never really been able to do it, but he damn sure can't do it now. Yeah, the answer here for biggest bus potential is both tight ends. Like, cause right now they're both going in the top 15 right now. And they're my answer for must avoid, but biggest bus potential. They hit, they hit all the, the categories there. Hunter Henry is going right now as a tight end 13 and ADP, John U. Smith, tight end 15. There's not going to be enough work for both of them. Period. End of story. If, if it was just John U. Smith, like let, let's go back to that was 36 hour period where we thought it was just going to be John U. Smith as the starting tight end there. I could see him living up to that tight end 15 ADP. I think that'd be about fine. If it was just him, he'd be like eight, though. There's no Maybe. way. Not with Cam Newton. I don't know. I don't know with Cam Newton if he's, he'd be eight. With Mac Jones, he would be. But I just have no faith that Cam. I mean, I have just no faith that Cam Newton can throw to the caliber he needs to anymore. But regardless, with them both being there together, there's not going to be this value. You know, Hunter Henry also has a, an extended injury history that has to be factored into this equation as well. Both of them are taking massive downgrades at quarterbacks. Both of them are taking massive downgrades at weapons around them. Uh, there's every red flag that you would try to check next to a pass catching box is been checked with these guys, and they're going to cannibalize off of each other. Uh, I, I just cannot take either one of them right now. I, I, when are you going to ever feel confident starting either one of these players? And like the, the people are going to start them. People are starting are going to start one of these guys week one. I guarantee you, one of these guys is starting week one for somebody in your league. And I just. So that leads me to the question of who did we all pick as sleepers? I uh, wanted to put Julian Edelman just to be funny. Just to be funny. Like well, I put you I, I put Jacoby, Jacoby Myers, Myers or Kendrick Bourne. Like it's one of those two guys. I put Jacoby Myers only because the longer Cam Newton plays, he was at least willing to target Jacoby Myers a ton. And Jacoby Myers doesn't have is not going to be a guy that you're going to take the top off a of defense or go down the field. So Cam Newton doesn't have to make those throws. But like I put eh? Jacoby Myers as my must-have because I went back like three or four years of my brain, and the only name you could name on this offense that was decent other than Julian Edelman, and it was Jacoby Myers. Yeah. I mean, Jamie, my sleeper, I put Sony Michelle because I just went basically lottery running back and I pulled a ball. And it was Sony Michelle, yeah. which means something happened to Damian Harris. Could I pick Damian Harris as the sleeper? Running back 38? He's their starter. Not really. Yeah, it's it's borderline. I think his AP goes up, but maybe. I, I wouldn't say it's this is this is great. Because now his he's cheap, RB fifty three. Now I'm in on that. Outside the top fifty, I'm going to take my chances on James White, who was still pretty productive even with Cam Newton's issues when he was playing. And his season kind of got derailed in the middle when his his father passed away, and there was some other stuff that happened there. But he was decent enough to be worthy of a bench spot. Now he's going outside the top fifty running backs. Like he's not going to be the James White he was with Tom Brady. And if you're expecting that, you're nuts. But at this value. Uh, I, I can't complain. 
That is two of the teams down here uh, in this division, the New York Jets and uh, the Buffalo. Oh, sorry, three teams, the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots. Now we get to the Miami Dolphins. And Jake, I'll start here with you in looking at this. This is the team that I think has the most potential across the board when looking at all of the different options that you could have when it comes to these these players. But what was your one burning question when it came to the Miami Dolphins? Again, it's quarterback play. Can Tua take a massive step forward and do something other than run RPO slants, read the field, another coordinator now, apparently they've simplified it. Apparently he now studied the, the playbook and actually knows what he's doing. I just have a lot of question marks about the quarterback play there. If he can be a top 20 quarterback, this team should be really good. I love the coaching staff. I love the weapons. I love this defense. But he's got, I don't, I mean, I'm literally, and I'm talking fantasy. I'm talking about, can he be a top 20 quarterback? I have question marks there. My question, burning question for fantasy and real life is Tua. Yeah, and it's it's kind of leads into my next question, which is beyond, I think Tua is the obvious one. Like what what kind of quarterback right. play do you get from him? As we've said on the show before, you could take your, your shot or click your mark on the, on the TD and fantasy bingo. Uh, and when I say this, but I expect some sort of progression from Tua this year, <laughs> but I don't know how much to project. Okay. Me, the question is, is how will, will the Miami pass catchers production? You have Will Fuller coming in starting week two. You've got Devontae Parker there. Uh, you know, you've got Mike Jacecki, but then you also, they drafted Hunter Long. They, uh, they drafted Jalen Waddle. Albert Wilson's coming back. So you, they've got a lot of guys there and not a lot of guys that have played with each other or played within this offense at the same time. So I'm questioning, like, what is this going to look like? Will Tua have some favorites? Part of that will play in his progression as well. But they all kind of do different things. Preston Williams, I didn't even talk about him. He's in there. Like, they've all these different guys have done different things that are either opted out because of COVID or have been injured or are rookies or, or, or new players on the offense. And all of a sudden, they all come in, and I don't know how it's going to work. And I don't know if it's going to get spread around. I don't know if there's going to be favorites. So that to me is the biggest question mark because we saw Will Fuller emerge last year as a wide receiver one potential in fantasy. Obviously, that was with a different quarterback at play. That was before the suspension. It's going to linger through week one here. But it just I look at this team and I think there's potential here. There's some really talented pass catchers on this team. Miles Gaskin out of the backfield included. But I do have concerns that maybe they're going to kind of all eat into each other's production or it's going to be certain players on certain weeks that are big. And that's really not what you're looking for for fantasy purposes. Yep. Uh, biggest bust potential on this team. I went Jacecki. I, 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 Jake talked me into this one. Again, I still like Jacecki. I'm still drafting him in the top 10 tight ends. But I, Jake's talked me into this one a little bit with our conversation we had on him back on our tight end show. Go ahead. I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you that, run with what I talked you into. I, part it of it is, is sense, man. You took a you took a receiver in the top six. Yes, and, and part of it is that he is included in this. Will Miami's pass catchers cannibalize each other? He's also in the last year of his deal, and they drafted another tight end in the middle rounds. Does that indicate that they don't see Jacecki as a player they're going to want to pay long term after the season? Because this tight end market's about to get reset with some of the with. Anton Hawkinson will get their fifth year options picked up, but there are going to be some other tight ends that really start to make the move this market up there. Mark Andrews is going to be one of them. Uh, I imagine Darren Waller is going to knock on somebody's door for a restructure soon enough. So this tight end market starting to go up and up and maybe Miami's like, you know what? We don't see a long-term future with him. You bring in two pass catchers as rookies that are going to directly correlate to what kind of production he can have. 
you know, he did start to get some chemistry late last year with Tua, which is positive. Like late last season, he really started to click with him a bit. And I think that is still the most likely scenario that he has a fairly significant role. But there's also a really decent chance that with all these other weapons there and all these other moves that he might get pushed later in the season out of this offense a little bit or at least not be quite as productive as you would need for where he's going in his ADP. If he's playing tight end, which he doesn't really play anymore, it's okay. I thought originally, okay, maybe Parker, who's had some injuries, Will Fuller, who's had some injuries, and he goes and he plays outside and he's not playing the slot because I don't really don't think they're going to try to put Waddle outside, especially in his first year. I don't think he really can. I think he's going to be a slot guy only. But now you just said it. Albert Wilson back. So if they want to move Waddle out, they can move Albert Wilson the slot. Preston Williams back, who's going to play those outside roles. I don't think Jacecki plays anything other than tight end. I just I, – I don't, I don't know. I, to me, there's a huge bust potential there. And I, he is a good player. I think he's going to get paid. I agree with everything Jamie said. I just – you don't take Jalen Waddle where they took him and not put him where he's going to be most effective and put him in the most plays, even though he's a rookie. Sleeper for this team. I put Will Fuller. <laughs> he's not a sleeper, but I think people are going to forget with the suspension, be scared off. And just forget that he was what Jamie just said, a freaking wide receiver one last year. And Javante Parker became a thing two years ago. I don't think he will be with Tua after watching them play last year together. I put Will Fuller as the sleeper. I think that's fair. Don't forget about him. Uh, now, we usually see at the beginning of the year a lot of guys that are suspended games that people forget about. Uh, you think about the Julian Edelman stuff or Tom Brady a few years back or that, that sort of a thing. We, we don't see a lot of these one gamers to start the year, but don't forget about him. He's really, you're just sitting in week one. That's all it is. He'll be back week two. You'll see him in the preseason. Don't forget about him at all. I agree. Uh, one that I'm still, and I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth in this conversation because I, I think both points can be true. So I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm a hypocrite. Uh, my sleeper with the Dolphins, James. Like this, is Miles, the Dolphins literally set you up to be a hypocrite when you talk about them. Well, and some of its injury history. Like to me, it's Miles Gaskin is a sleeper here. When Miles Gaskin played last season, you got RB one production, but he missed time. He's going right now as the RB twenty four. I would take him five or six spots higher than that right now. He's got a lot of potential in that offense. He's the easy checkdown guy for Tua. He's a really good pass catcher, and doesn't have a lot of competition to steal his role as a starter. And he is one of those players that if there were a preseason last year, there would have been some hype around him because we would have known that he was going to wasn't going to be Jordan Howard. It wasn't going to be Matt Breda. It wasn't going to be any of these other guys that were talked about in that conversation. Now that we know he's the guy, them not taking a running back before what round seven is where they took Dokes uh, is an indication that now again, they got passed up again for the second year in the second round by a team trading up in front of them to get a running back. But them not being aggressive to get a running back on day two of the draft is an indication they're at least for this year willing to go with Miles Gaskin as their guy. If he is healthy, if you told me right now you could guarantee me 17 games of Miles Gaskin, he's a top 15 running back. I don't think you're going to get 17 games out of him, but when he plays, you're going to get a lot of production in PPR. He's my must-have of this offense. I'll, I'll yeah. throw that one out there right now. I mean, that's the guy when I went, all the other question marks and the cannibalization, the wide receiver position you were talking about, I went, I'm going to go with who I think they're going to lean on when they're not feeling great about the quarterback position. And that's the running back position. And that's Miles Gaskin. Uh, Jamie, your ADP must have and must avoid. Well, my must have is still Gaskin. Um, okay. But I still think with a little note that I would take a chance late on some of the Salvin Ahmeds or the Jared Dokes of the world, just in case he gets hurt, because he probably will. My avoid right now is Waddle. Um, he's going right now at wide receiver 43. I love the talent. And I would, would I be shocked if he lives up to this ADP? No, not at all. 
I just think he's starting to kind of creep into that range where he's already starting to be in and near that flex conversation. And I think that's probably his peak for year one because there are other weapons there because he doesn't have a top 15 quarterback throwing him the ball. I'm just, I'm starting to worry that whenever you take a rookie at their absolute maximum potential, I think that's when I start to get concerned. And I think in this offense in year one with those weapons and with that quarterback, Hanging around wide receiver 40 is kind of where I think his ceiling is. I don't want to take him there at wide receiver 43. I have him uh, significantly lower than that in my rankings. I want Devontae Parker. Big name. I think a lot of people are going to draft and not watch what those two did together last year. And it wasn't pretty. When Tua was playing, Devontae Parker was not a thing. When Fitz was, he was. He was really good the last couple of years with Fitz. He broke out. He got paid. I can actually see him being on the trade block as much as Brian Flores says he likes him and he's, he's the alpha that he wants on that team. I don't know that he really fits with what they have going forward. Uh, I can see him being kind of the irrelevant guy here. If it, if it doesn't have some serious chemistry change that he had with two, it was ugly last year when two was playing, by the way, the dolphins are the biggest bust potential of this division. They're really, really good, but their quarterback position has the biggest question mark they won a lot of games with Fitz last year. And they benched Tua a few times to try to win games with Fitz because they couldn't get it done. He's got to take really, really big steps for them to be a playoff team again, guys. Yeah, no, Agreed 100%. And that's why it, it makes them so interesting because they have a lot of fantasy talent on this team in comparison to some of the other teams we talked about in this division. But their quarterback is such a big question mark that it throws everything uh, else off. If we t- if we strictly talked like because we did this series on the draftnetwork.com of like we took the quarterbacks out of the equation and just like looked at the roster sans quarterback. Oh. If we did that for this division, it's Miami's the best team in the division. Yes. But the difference between Tua and Josh Allen is and by the way, it's the Bills have another really damn good players too. I just think it, Miami's defense is significantly better than what Buffalo is going to throw out there. Even it's though a Grand Canyon defense. size difference between yeah, but the Tua. quarterback because even even with a step forward from Tua. It's yes. a massive difference between the two quarterbacks playing. That's, so that's, that's why you have to look at this and go, wow, the Bill. I mean, now that we've done this, the Bills are a clear-cut favorite. Yes. In this division. Like, Miami's like, oh, Miami's going to be pushing them. They could win the division. They could. But you're talking about, like, 800% increase for Tua for them to get to that point, I think. Like, that defense is legit, and they can stop the run where Buffalo's going to have to get better this year if they really want to be contenders. But Josh Allen's playing at a top five elite level MVP in the category. That's the differentiator in the NFL when your quarterback's playing that good. And the last point I want to make on this, it's not a fantasy related. It's real life football related because we talked about this a lot last season. I think we're going to talk about it this year. This is a golden opportunity for the Bills to do one thing, and it's get that number one seed. The Bills can beat the Chiefs in Buffalo. I don't think they can beat them at Arrowhead. And I think this is when the Chiefs have a much, much more difficult division to work through this year. They're going to win it still, in my mind, unless something happens to Mahomes. But they're going to win it still. But they have a much tougher path to get there than Buffalo does. Buffalo has to get home field. If Buffalo is going to get to and win a Super Bowl and get through Kansas City, they need Kansas City to come to them now in now in the last in super late January with the way the schedule is parked out now. That's where their advantage is going to be. So for them this year, they need to take advantage of that opportunity that their their path, just divisional-wise, I'm not looking at the non-division, but division-wise, their path to the top seed is much easier than what Kansas City is going to be. Yeah, I think they I think they absolutely need it. I think those two teams are a shootout regardless, and they're going to throw it 120 times in that game. 
the outlier there is Cleveland. They don't match up. Neither one of those teams want to see that team that's going to run the ball that can now rush the – I mean, they could rush the passer last year, but if Jadavion Clowney could stay healthy, the Browns' defense could be naughty the way they run the ball, and you're talking about playing in cold-weather places. They could go to Buffalo and beat them, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. They're playing the Chiefs again. You're throwing you're 120 pass attempts like you saw last year. I just think that sets up better for Mahomes than it does for Allen, even though we just threw all of this praise on Allen, which he's deserved. So – I think this would be interesting if I went just, I'm sorry, Chris, I'm completely derailed the show. That's fine. So I'm going to throw four teams out there and I want you to tell me you're going to take one of these four teams to win the Super Bowl or the field. Okay. okay. This will be a fun one. Cleveland, Buffalo, Kansas city, Tampa Bay. What would you take the box with those four teams or the box of the rest of the NFL? Give me, give me the box with those four teams. Absolutely. I, and I don't think I'd have to even think about it. I mean, I picked kind Buffalo of, is, to win. By the, the way, it's crazy that two, the three of those teams are Tampa, Buffalo, and, and Cleveland. Cleveland. What if I would have told you that three years ago? No, yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody no, I, would have. I think, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like, I think, that box I, probably has negative odds, right? Like, I, I can't. I mean, there are other teams that are going to be in contention inside of their conferences, but I, I don't. I, to me, I would be surprised if that. Like it's it'll be a little bit harder for Tampa Bay because I'm only picking one NFC team. Where I'm picking like three AFC teams. Odds are one of those three are going to be in the Super Bowl. But yeah. uh, but still, it's I think the drop off in the NFC from one to two is more significant too. So like that's the other factor that goes into that. But it's very interesting. Just 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 wanted to put that out there as we sit here in the middle of July, thinking like those four teams to me feel like when we put the box of true Super Bowl contenders talked about this time of year that's my box of four. There are other teams that are on the fringe that I would say like, oh, I wouldn't be shocked if this clicked right and this worked like this. But to me, those are the four clear Super Bowl contenders as we sit here right now. Yep. That's it. AFC East fantasy preview in the books. We are going to alternate between the AFC and the NFC throughout the course of this process. So a Wednesday show will be the NFC East and we will get through those four teams and ask those same five things, burning question, bus potential sleeper, and then the ADP must have and must avoid for all uh, of the teams in the national football league. So it's the NFC East up next, Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram, Jamie. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. You can also follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. A lot of great content going up there. And again, if you want to see Jamie's rankings, if for some reason you have not seen them, or if you want more fantasy content, head over to thedraftnetwork.com. That's going to do it for us here on the Monday edition. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.